Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We have a great show. Julie and I love talking about investment properties. If you guys uh, come to the event that we're doing at the end of July and you corner us, chances are we're going to end up talking about one of a couple things, kids or investment properties <laughs> or real estate transactions, of course. So we're going to pick up where we left off uh, the day before yesterday, and we're going to be talking about multifamily property investing, but four types of loans. And now, remember, if you're listening for the first time to the, today's podcast, it's important you go back and listen to the series we've been doing on investing in uh, real estate. So it's our premise that as normal folks who, um, like you, like all of us listening, like 99% of the people on the planet, the easiest and the best way to create long-term, ever-increasing wealth is through investing in real estate. And we teach you guys through our coaching program how to uh, create a very profitable real estate practice. And with that profit, we strongly suggest you invest that money into profit producing investment properties. And ultimately your goal is to be rich and your the definition of rich, and it's very simple. This is not a PC, you know, social construct. This is just a very simple understanding of what rich is. Rich is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. That's it. That's as simple as it has to be. So if you have enough investment properties that are producing enough income after all expenses, and we explained that on previous podcasts, and obviously we go into a lot of that in chapter 17 of our international best-selling book, Harris Rules, you can go through and you can actually learn exactly how you can figure out how many investment properties you need to have the cash flow pay for all your personal overhead. So here's the goal. I'll humbly suggest to all of you listening that you have enough investment properties purchased that you don't have to work anymore because the money that's coming in off the investment properties is enough to cover all of your personal overhead. That's it. Look, I know in some cases it's going to be a big challenge because some of you guys have hellacious personal overhead. But for most of you, your personal overhead is around 7,500 bucks a month. You can tell I've had this conversation with about a billion agents over time. And as such, I happen to know for a fact that you guys can usually in most markets, you can usually buy fewer than 10 investment properties, usually around eight and you can have all of your overhead covered. So that is a challenge I set for all of you, and at least open your mind to the fact that you can be rich. You can literally have enough income coming off passively from your investment properties that if you chose to, you wouldn't have to work anymore. Now, here's the irony of it. Having helped many, many agents, I don't even know how many, thousands at this point, get to that point where they have money working for them and they no longer have to work for their money. That's always the premise of every coaching relationship we have. The, the agreement that you want to be financially free so you can actually be free, you know, where you can be rich. That is kind of the working premise that we assume all of you guys are coming to us with. Um, when you get there, here's the magic that happens. You don't want to stop working because the money that you're earning doesn't go to paying bills and debt obligations anymore. The money you're earning can go to doing things with charity, doing things with your church, synagogue, mosque, doing things like vacations. I just talked to one of my coaching clients and he got back from Costa Rica and now he's planning another vacation to um, uh, Tulum, Julie. Wouldn't that be nice to go to Tulum this ah, time of year? Nice. Down in Mexico, That's down the Marine River. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, so he's he's going down there in two weeks. You know, he has all these, he does these unplanned vacations all the time. Julie has folks that do the same thing. Europe, you know, I'm going to France for two weeks. How can they afford to do it? It's because they followed our formula and they've gotten to the point where they are rich, where their money works for them. They no longer have to work for the money. And the real estate revenue that they have coming in, the profit they have coming in, goes to doing things that they want to do with their lives because all the have-to-dos are paid for. I want you guys to think about that. Isn't that really the whole damn reason you got into real estate in the first place? Because you wanted to get to the point where you had that passive income? Well, guys, the steps to get there are not that complicated. You just have to basically allow yourself to follow an uncomplicated path because so many of you love the complicated. You want these complicated CRMs. You want to believe you have a fa need to have a fancy logo and a big team. You want to believe that, things, that, that to be successful in real estate, it has to be this big, complicated, analytical shit show of a mess. It doesn't. Real estate is very simple and elegant when you allow it to be. I'll make it very simple for you. Um, and then Julie has some comments on Facebook that she's going to read. I had a call right now. I'm not going to say his last name. I just hung up with him. I know he listens. Steve, hello. Uh, he's in Tennessee. Oh, by the way, Julie, Steve mm -hmm. is connecting us with the owner of Orange Theory. And um, okay. evidently, she is interested in doing some speaking. So we're going to try to get her on the podcast and things like that. So thank right. you, Steve. This is the same Steve that sent Zoe the flowers, by the way. So very oh, nice man. So, so here's a conversation I had with yeah, that's right. <laughs> Send a picture. So Steve and I were talking about what his financial obligations are to his family. You know, he wants to help the, you know, with his kids' 529s and retirement accounts and all that type of thing. And we see, so he and I were like, he was feeling overwhelmed. That's the only way I could, he didn't use that word, but, that, and I wouldn't have said that on a coaching call, but that is essentially what he was feeling. So he needed some clarity. So I'm going to give him the same clarity. I'm going to give all of you the same clarity that, um, that I gave Steve and hopefully it sticks with you and with him. So in Steve's world, his average commission is $9,000 or something like that. So if Steve had 10 listings at all times, I'm not talking about anything else, just 10 listings at all times, not talking about buyers, guys. I'm not talking about anything more complicated than 10 listings at all times. Are you listening, listeners? On average, in his market, at least four would sell per month, probably more, but at least four would sell per month. So if he had 10 listings at all times and four sold per month in his market, are you doing the math? He'd be making $36,000 a month. $36,000 a month is basically a half million dollars a year, which would not just meet, but it would exceed by some margin the financial requirements for everything that he has to earn to pay all of his, you know, basically meet his family's obligations and all the stuff that he wants to earn, the fun money, the stuff that he wants to do beyond his, you know, family, familial obligations and working towards, obviously, the passive income from investment properties, which he's already doing, by the way, fantastic at. So guys, do you get the point there? His world is 10 listings at all times. I had remember the, the call I had with the, or the uh, coaching client I was telling you guys about a second ago who just got back from Costa Rica and now going to Mexico. He doesn't need 10 listings at all times because his average commission is 45 grand. <laughs> so he only right. needs five, all right, he only, Stacy, he only needs five or six listings at all times. And basically he kicks his, he makes consistent enough money, but he has a great lifestyle drives a new G-Wagon, uh, G he lives in, uh, near Malibu, he has a farm with goats, he has a bunch of kids, you know, he has this really wonderful lifestyle out near the ocean in, in California, and he has to have five or six listings at all times. That's it. So when he and I have our coaching calls, that's what I focus on. I focus on what's in contract, what do you have pending, how many leads do you have? I mean, even at his level, making millions of dollars per year, 
that's in essence the most important value that I can bring to our coaching with him is keeping him on track with focused on what we call your magic number. And the magic number is the number of listings you need at all times. So listen, as we go through this year, you guys are going to be inundated, especially now with all these people that are trying to sell you what really amounts to, it's never complete bullshit, but it's mostly bullshit because it's overly complicated speculative garbage that probably will never work. And I'm talking about the lead sellers. I'm talking about the long-term mail campaigns. I'm talking about the farming. I'm talking about all the stuff. And I want you to see, and I want you to be honest about this. The reason that you find that stuff sexy and attractive, it's because it's passive. It's because it strikes your lazy bone because you convince yourself you don't actually have to do anything. You don't have to have any skills. Hey, man, I'm going to buy some leads. I don't need no skills to buy leads. I just give them a credit card number. I'm going to send out some postcards. No skills needed. Sellers are going to line up and call me. Look, I'm not saying that stuff summarily doesn't work because it does. It does over time, but it doesn't work consistently. I have folks, Julie and I have coaching clients who do radio ads as a spoke on their wheel. Their primary spoke is always proactive lead generation, but because they're selling hundreds of houses per year, they've added other spokes that are more passive. That's the order in which you should do it. Proactive first, passive second. Most of you will never have to add passive because your proactive will work to exceed all your goals like I described to you for with Stacy and Steve earlier, right? I mean, 10 listings at all times, guys, he can just do that doing proactive, easy. So when you start expanding into these other things, you know, the radio and the passive stuff, the danger you run into there is you stop doing the proactive stuff and always the passive stuff has a shelf life that it does not last forever. It does not work forever. Facebook ads. Oh my God. Everyone was talking about those like five years ago. People are still talking about them, but they don't work like they did five years ago. They worked marginally well five years ago, but now it's oversaturated. Too many people doing it. Buying buyer leads from Zillow, same thing, but that really worked well up to about 2011. Oversaturated. Same problem we're having. You guys, this is all information that if you don't have, you should just listen to your coach or your future coach, whatever status we hold with you right now, and, and get this really deeply rooted into your conscious brain. You need to learn how to generate your own business because as all, you know, I know I have one client who basically was heavily invested in radio ads, advertises on KFrog out in the LA area, Inland Empire, and the ads aren't working. They stopped dried up. Why? Because other agents are now doing similar ads on the same radio station, of course. So he's not getting leads anymore. So now he's having, he had stopped prospecting. He just, he hasn't been doing it consistently. He was only doing it a little here and there. And now he's having to go back to prospecting. And now he's swearing he's never going to get away from prospecting again. Because prospecting, learning how to proactively generate your own business always works. And it gets better as you get better. It gets better as you get more disciplined. You see the difference here, guys? Do you see what we're trying to sell you? It's called the truth versus the other people who are trying to sell you into stuff that basically is tickling your lazy bone. Do you guys understand what I'm trying to say? Julie, does this make sense? You can tell I've had like yeah. six coaching well. calls in a row. <laughs> and some caffeine maybe. But, and some uh, caffeine, yeah. yes. Well, absolutely. Do you want to run your business on hopium and speculation or based on a very much proven plan that is long-term and sustainable and duplicatable and will iron out those hiccups and those cash spurts 
and give you the cash flow that you need. And then you combine that with what you do with that consistent income, those consistent commissions, you roll them into things like investment property. So I use that as my segue into our topic du jour. But before we do that, Bridget Green, part of our private Facebook group for premier coaching clients and elite coaching clients only and our VIPs, Bridget Green writes, hello everyone, my name is Bridget Green, I live in Michigan, I'm new to the group and fairly new to real estate, I decided the best way to build a solid foundation as a new realtor would be with a great coach, someone who will make and keep me accountable. Working 12 hours in corporate America has been challenging and has made it challenging to listen to the calls, so I made a huge decision. No, I retired. fellow Premier Coaching member on Facebook responded to her. This is from Regina Rockymore Upshaw. Congratulations on making such a leap of faith. Coaching and your personal development are what will help set you apart, and Tim and Julie have both. It's a wealth of information and an entirely new learning curve, but you will do fine. Stay focused and encouraged. Get your treasure map done, as it will help you with staying on track. You got this. Now go Julie? get them. So, Julie? Yes. Yeah, your phone just dropped it. it. Your phone just sputtered a little bit. Oh, no. Your your mic, your mic. So you're fine now. We can hear you. Just make sure that okay. you're not, you know. Okay. Just be very careful. <laughs> yep. Tell me if I need check, to dial back in. No, no, you're fine. Everything's good. Everything's good. Okay. So do you have any other shout outs? Anybody else you'd like to acknowledge? I know there's a ton on our I, private I Facebook. Think I mean, there's always more. I I was looking for one that was a little bit older. Somebody posted that they just took seven listings by following up on a Zillow make me move lead that they had reached out to back in October. So yes, pay attention to those Zillow make me move leads. We're going to talk more about that on our premier coaching call this afternoon, but I am ready to jump into our content. We've been talking about multifamily. We've so far discussed how to identify them, what the benefits are to them, how to manage them, and now we're going to talk a little bit about financing because there's not just one way to finance multifamilies. There are four. And again, our job here is to educate you enough that you can talk the talk, that you can say, yes, it's my pleasure to help you. My intention is not to turn you into a multifamily financing mortgage guru here. I'm just giving you enough that you can understand and talk to somebody enough to help them and direct them in the right uh, direction. And possibly that means taking care of yourself with your own purchasing of multifamily. So we're gonna talk about four common ways to finance multifamily. Uh, and here we're talking specifically about two to 20 unit buildings, okay? Each of the loans have their own unique terms, rates and qualifications. Today we're gonna to talk mostly about conventional mortgages, but first let's look at the four possibilities. And again, I'm not gonna to get too much in the weeds, just trying to give you the 30,000 foot uh, look down on this. So the first one is a conventional mortgage. The terms are not that different than what you're used to. They range between 15 and 30 years. Loans are capped at 80% loan to value and typically have interest rates of between 4 to 6%. Again, that's in today's rates. You know, if you listen to this in a replay six months from now, maybe it'll be slightly different, but these are general terms. 15 to 30 years, 4 to 6% interest rate, 80% loan to value, meaning you've got to put 20% down. Okay, kind of sounds like a regular residential mortgage, right? Well, the second kind is a government-backed loan. Terms are between five and 35 years. The loan to value is capped at 87%, they'll let you owe. Interest rates between three. Now we've got number three, the portfolio loan. Terms between three and 30 years. Loan to value up to 97%. So again, you can get away with just 3% down. 
And interest rates go from 3.7 to 5.7 currently uh, interest rate today. And then number four, short-term multifamily financing between one and three years, interest rates of four to 12%, monthly payments are typically interest only. And we're going to go through each of those Today we're doing conventional, so I'll get into the government-backed ones, which I think is the most interesting, uh, but we'll do those. We'll probably get into that on Monday. So number one, conventional mortgage. Multifamily properties, this is for permanent and, quote, conforming loans offered by traditional lenders. You guys are all used to working with, with these types of traditional lenders and banks with your normal deals. These mortgages typically are longer term, between 15 and 30 years. Conventional mortgages can finance multifamily properties between two and four units, okay? So conventional is used for duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes, but they will not finance apartment buildings with five or more units, so that's your cutoff. Further, conventional mortgages can finance up to four to 10 investment properties at the same time, okay? So a couple of rules on that. Again, two, three, and four unit buildings. You can do as many of those as uh, up to 10, between four and 10 at once, but once you're over five units in a building, then you can't do conventional anymore. Conventional mortgages are considered to be conforming because they typically adhere to Fannie Mae's required qualifications and maximum loan amounts. However, conventional mortgages for multifamily financing are not actually backed by the federal government. They just comply with Fannie Mae guidelines, they are not backed by the government, which is what some people mistakenly say in their uh, conversations you know, with clients. So conventional mortgage, it's got its place, and I think in most cases that's gonna be the easier way to go on the two to four unit buildings. Certainly if you're buying an owner-occupied duplex, this is definitely the way to go, where you're living in one side and using the other side to pay for it. Some of you guys are setting your college-age kids up in investment property like this. If you can find it where they're going to school, that's always smart. So that's the conventional mortgage. Now, uh, let's see. I wanted to, gosh, I double copied something in here into my notes, but uh, let's talk about some of the specifics for conventional, right? So the loan amount, typically the loan between 100 and 1.2 million on these types of properties. Now, some of you are saying, where in the world are you gonna buy a duplex for 1.2 million? Well, maybe in expensive markets like Manhattan and parts of California and Miami, you can find stuff like that. For others of you, you know, I've got a coaching client right now, he's got a four family that's only 150 grand. It just depends on where you are. So loan amounts between 100 and 1.2. Down payment is always 20% or more. So right there, you say to yourself, if you don't have or your client doesn't have 20% or more, we're not going conventional. We're probably using one of the other types of financing. Typical rates, again, 4 to 6%. Typical lender fees between 0 and 5% of closing costs. Of course, that depends on the normal things like your credit and ratios and that sort of thing. Loan term, 15 to 30 years. Typical time to fund, you know, they usually say 30 to 45. In my experience, it's more like 45 to 60, but they can do it pretty fast. Uh, and they do require the property be in good condition. You must have a 680 plus personal credit score. So remember, check your credit before you apply. They also require six to 12 months of cash reserves. 
Usually you can show that in investment accounts and other uh, ways to get away with that. But those are the requirements of this typical conventional mortgage. And that's my talk about that. <laughs> Back to you, Tim. A lot of numbers and terms and specifics. But, you know, it's not as weird as people think. If you've got two to four, you've got decent credit, you've got 20% down, this is what you do. Well, that's really the bottom line, isn't it? I mean, when you, well, so uh -huh. again, you guys got to go back, go back and listen to the shows we've already done on this. We do strongly suggest all of you start with single families, just one, two, three, five, you know, that should be your foundation. One of the things I'm going to cover this now, Julie, since we have probably about six minutes, um, you guys should not be holding any of the properties you purchase in your own names. Oh, you know what? I have to mention this or our show producer is going to yell at me. <laughs> Um, the yeah. event page for the event we're doing the last Saturday in July, which is going to be in uh, Austin, Texas. We are going. We have signed a contract for um, Ryan Holiday. He's going to be our special guest, and you guys know him. He's the New York Times best-selling author for Ego is the Enemy. He's written a lot of books on stoicism. He's just an all all around. I think one of the. I I actually feel he's one of the best authors and one of the biggest thinkers to be on the book scene in forever. He has an ability, like his Ego is the Enemy book, we always suggest you guys buy that. Um, that has an amazing ability to cut through all the mysticism and sort of pseudoscience that has been the ego conversation for literally a millennia. And it cuts right through it and makes it very practical and tactical. And he did that at such a very, very, in such a very powerful, easy to understand way. So you guys have got to get the book Ego is the Enemy. So anyway, he's gonna be our special guest. He's gonna be speaking in the afternoon on that Saturday. But the tickets are available now if you'd like to attend that event. It's uh, No, Julie and I do do small events. Um, we normally are just doing them for small, you know, we're doing them for brokers, like we're going to be doing another one, it looks like, in Hawaii in December, things like that. So we normally don't publicize these. This is one we're doing, and it's going to be a mastermind event. It's going to be taking place in Austin. Like all of our events, our events we like to keep small. So this one's only going to be 50 people. I know these tickets are going to sell out fast. If you're on, uh, if you're a Premier Coaching member, either Premier Coaching member VIP, Premier Coaching Elite, whatever, just go to the private Facebook page and uh, reserve your ticket. They will sell out fast, and we're not going to expand the number of people because, like I said, we like to run these masterminds in a very intimate way, so everyone gets an opportunity to know each other, and you will be rubbing elbows with some of the nation's top producing agents. And you know, it's a great. These are great events. We love them, and it, it helps to keep them small because then you have an opportunity to feel like you were heard, and all of a sudden, and also an opportunity to do a lot of good listening. That's really the main thing. So let's talk about again. It's on the private Facebook page. We're not going to make that uh, the event page live to non-members probably for another week or so. Trying to frankly sell it just to members first, which I think should happen probably by the weekend. But if you are even mildly interested in going, I strongly encourage you to go over to the private Facebook page if you are a coaching client. Um, and for some reason you can't get on the private, private Facebook page, which I, you know, I don't think is possible. Just email me directly, Tim at timandjulieharris.com, and I'll connect you with our customer service staff, and they'll get you squared away. Okay, so when you're purchasing rental properties, it is very, very important that you guys uh, do not purchase these, and you can purchase these in your name with regards to getting the loan. But what I want you to do is I want you to put them into a probably an LLC, not accountants, not attorneys but probably an LLC. And uh, ideally, I want the LLC, you should have the LLC owned by a trust. The trust structure we suggest all of you seriously look into is a Nevada Spendthrift Trust. You, do not have, you do not have to be a resident of Nevada to have a Nevada Spendthrift Trust. Other states have good trust laws too, like Texas, but most states have really, really crappy trust laws where they offer you virtually no protection whatsoever. 
So I want you to listen to what I said. When you purchase a property, do purchase, you can purchase it in your name, but then transfer the, transfer the ownership or transfer it to an LLC and have all the shares of that LLC owned by the trust. That makes it so that, and here's what I'm trying to do is protect your, the equity you have in the property and protect you personally from anything that might happen in the property. For example, if you have somebody slip and fall in the property and you own the property in your name, and I know you guys have heard of this happening before, that that, that person, it doesn't even matter if it's not a tenant. It could be some dumb kid who basically slipped and fell on something on the property, you know, down the street who you didn't even know. And they're claiming all these injuries happened as a result. This is kind of crazy stuff happens all the time. Your umbrella insurance policy, if some of you, you know, all of you should have that too, won't protect you completely. So what you need to do is you need to protect your personal assets because if there's an injury that occurs on your property, they could not just, if it's not protected behind an LLC, like I just described, they can then go after your personal assets. They can sue you for your personal assets if they, uh, you know, if they win, obviously. And if they win and it's a, um, against your LLC, then they could only go after the equity in the property. Do you guys follow me here? So you need to never buy properties in your own name. Well, you can close on your name, but you need to transfer them to your, an LLC. You can actually simultaneously close in an LLC too. Uh, some title companies not, aren't going to be comfortable with it or mortgage companies, but it's relatively easy to do. And then uh, LLC itself should be owned by a trust. That creates a nice blanket of protection. You also, I mentioned this before, you also should get a um, umbrella policy. Now, I spent a lot of time researching umbrella policies a couple of years ago for some of my high-end clients. And um, because they weren't getting, I mean, they were basically, they're underinsured. And here's what I discovered. If you buy a million, you can get umbrella policies anywhere. You can get them from Geico. You can get them from State Farm. Everybody sells them and they're really cheap. Um, you can, and an umbrella policy does just that. If you basically, your, your auto insurance coverage, for example, it typically will cover you up to like 250,000 to a million, something like that. But if you, for example, the, you get a call, you're involved in an auto wreck today. The auto wreck basically is proven to be your fault. The insurance company is only going to pay out the maximum that you have with your insurance policy. That's it. Then they're off the hook. That person can still sue you beyond whatever the insurance company paid. They don't have to take that money from the insurance company if they think you have assets beyond what they're going to be able to get from the insurance company. You guys understand? So in those particular cases, you should have an umbrella policy. But here's what I discovered. Your umbrella policy has to be usually for at least $2 million, but ideally $3 million. Because if it's for less than that, and this is what surprised me, is if it's for only a million dollars, and that's what most of you have if you have umbrella policies, because you bought it when you were buying your car insurance, the insurance guy said, dude, why don't you just throw an umbrella policy for a million dollars on there? It's only an extra like $200 a year. And you said, yes. Well, what happens is the insurance companies won't defend you. So if you're involved in an accident, you're found to be at fault. It doesn't matter what kind. And you know, you're, and basically someone's coming after you personally. If you have a million dollar insurance policy, the insurance uh, people are just going to settle to make their obligation to the policy go away. They're not actually going to defend you. But again, that does not get you personally off the hook. You guys need to talk with accountants and attorneys about this. So if you have a policy for at least $2 million, ideally $3 million, because the insurance companies have so much more to lose, i.e. $2 or $3 million, they will defend you. They will fight it. Okay, and they will actually send attorneys to basically do their job. Now, I've heard that from folks that were vastly wealthier than Julie and I are, and that's where I ultimately got my best advice. I didn't get it from insurance people. I got it from people who have, you know, guys, private jets and, 
you know, one guy in particular owns like 17 car dealerships. These are people that Julie and I have befriended over the years, fortunately, who we go to for advice on stuff like this, because they're going to tell us the truth that I'm not going to be able to find on the internet. They're going to say it from personal experience. So remember, the, you know, it's, this is not that complex because once you have it set up, you could just, you know, wash, rinse, repeat every time you buy another property. But this is how when you're structuring your assets. So let's say you do get to a point where you are rich, where your money works for you. You no longer work for your money, where you're, you know, your cash flowing properties are covering all your personal overhead. You got to protect it. You got to protect it like a, you know, a mama bear, right? And so that means you have to basically cover yourself with the umbrella insurance policy, like I talked about. Close and policy, uh, put your uh, individual properties. Never have more than one property in one LLC. That's the other thing I see a lot of times with new coaching clients. You guys will have one LLC with five properties in it. That's just dumb. Each property needs to have its own LLC. So when you set yourself up like that, you guys are protecting like a mama bear. You're protecting your assets. You're protecting that income for life. You get it? You guys understanding us with how we're explaining all this to you? So the reversals of fortune that you often hear about, people telling these stories about how they had this and now they have nothing, oftentimes it's because they did not follow the simple steps that I'm telling you to do now. Oftentimes they basically were lazy in how they set up their assets. They're lazy in how they basically you know, went about setting up their financial futures. Just follow the advice of what we're saying, take what we're saying and take it to people that you think you can trust and get their opinions. You need to become educated about this. Remember, we told you, we tell you guys this all the time. The accountant is not there to save you money on your taxes. He's there to do the taxes. Your broker's not there to get you leads. He's there to make sure basically you follow the law. You following me, guys? Your financial advisor is not there to make you rich. The financial advisor is there basically just to put you into securities and get his commission and go on to the next client. That's the reality of how the world works. I'm sorry if you guys find that offensive, but it's true. So ultimately, you have to be responsible for all these things yourself. You take a little here and a little there, and you do a great job educating yourself. You find people you trust, and then you execute. You understanding? You understanding what I'm saying here? You have to be ultimately responsible for every decision that you make. If you passively walk in to your accountant's office with your box of bullshit every year, like I know some of you guys do, do my taxes. You really think? that accountant's going to burn the midnight oil looking for ways to save you taxes or saving you money on your taxes? Are they just going to go through as fast as possible so they can charge you your 2,500 bucks and go on to the next one? Do you really think they're spending a lot of time worrying about how to save you money? Don't be naive. You have to do that yourself. That's what investment properties, by the way, a great vehicle to offset taxes legally, ethically, morally. That's what we're talking about here. Listen, guys, we're gonna wrap up for today's show. We're getting a lot of great suggestions for potential guests, and I always appreciate that. So keep sending them in. It's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. In the meantime, I strongly encourage you to get registered for the Harris VIP Mastermind that's taking place the last Saturday in July here in Austin, Texas. We look forward to seeing all of you guys. Remember, you can go back and listen to any of the past podcasts. There's thousands of them now. Oh, I haven't announced this. Uh, the podcast is now close to 130,000 regular listens. And I want to thank you guys for making that possible. I suspect that by probably mid-year, it's going to be around 200, 225,000 regular listens. That's incredible considering there's only you know, something like 1.3 million members of the National Association of Realtors. So evidently, there's enough people out there that are looking for, I think, what would only be determined as a BS-free approach to um, you know, building wealth in real estate in their businesses, entrepreneurs, this, you know, what we're saying is a, a, applicable to really anybody 
who's running their own business. If you guys need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.